Anybody here love to praise him? Oh, come on. Anybody here love to praise him? Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Amen, amen. I like what we sang a while ago. The world didn't give it to me, and the world cannot take it away. Amen. He gave me joy. It doesn't matter what the world tries to do. It cannot take away my joy. He gave me mercy. Listen, folks. He gave me mercy. And it doesn't matter what anybody else says about me, how bad I am, how unworthy or whatever. They can't take away the mercy that God has shown to me. Ha ha. Ah, yes. Somebody ought to praise Him for that fact alone, that God has given me mercy and nobody... Doesn't matter how they try, can take it away from you. Amen. Thank you for being in the house of the Lord tonight. What a wonderful day it has been. The blessings of the Lord this morning. What a wonderful, wonderful service. The powerful presence of God that was in this place. And again tonight, amen. I feel that lingering presence of the Lord and I... I'm so appreciative that God has chosen to visit us in such a wonderful way. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to take you to the book of Haggai, the Old Testament. If you don't know where that is, start at Matthew and go back, and you'll come to it. It's between Zechariah and Zephaniah, Haggai, Old Testament prophet, Read chapter 1, and I will read down through uh, a few of the verses in the first chapter. Haggai, there's only two chapters, so you can't, you can't blink or you'll miss it. It's not a lengthy book, but boy, is it a powerful book. Amen. If you'll give me just a few moments, I promise you I won't hold you long. But I do feel like God has a word for us tonight. Haggai chapter 1 and verse 1. In the second year of Darius, the king, in the sixth month, in the first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet unto Zerubbabel, the son of Shealtiel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Joshadak, the high priest, saying, Thus speaketh the Lord of hosts, saying, This people say, The time is not come, the time that the Lord's house should be built. Then came the word of the Lord by Haggai the prophet, saying, Is it time for you, O ye, to dwell in your sealed houses, and the house, or this house, the house of the Lord, lie waste? Now therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much, bring in little. You eat, but you have not enough. You drink, but you are not filled with drink. You clothe you, but there is none warm. And he that earneth wages, earneth wages to put into a bag with holes. Thus saith the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Think about what is going on. And when they began to think about it, something began to happen. And down in verse 
number 14, the Bible said, And the Lord stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel. He stirred up the spirit of Zerubbabel and the spirit of the remnant of the people. And they came and did work in the house of the Lord of hosts, their God. And everybody said, Amen. I want to talk to you for a few moments tonight about when life takes the fight out of you. Amen. Everybody said amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Haggai had one simple, singular job. You will not find in the book of Haggai a lot of discourse, only two short chapters, and yet two powerful chapters. One purpose and one goal one job. That was to get a people who had become sidetracked and distracted back on course what they were supposed to be doing. To get a people that had begun to finish what they had started. Get a people reinvigorated that had made a great effort in the beginning, but now because of situations and circumstances, they had grown weary and they had lost their focus. And so God sent a man to get them back on track. Why would God put a book so short and with such a simple and singular message in the Word of God. Why would God include a book that is so short in Holy Writ? Could it be that God looked beyond just the present situation of His people? Could it be that God looked into the future And he saw people like you and I that were engaged in this thing called life. People that have begun, people that have started, but many times can get sidetracked and can lose their focus and their purpose. Could it be that God engaged a prophet and brought him to the forefront and put him on the scene for the purpose of engaging a people in getting back to the purpose of rebuilding and reestablishing what God had purposed for them to rebuild. Could it be that God saw you and I and He knew the struggle that you and I would have to finish? Amen. To finish. To have a... A goal is one thing, but to be able to accomplish that goal is another. And many, many today are struggling with finishing what they started. And so God sent a man, and God called that man Haggai to stir up the people and to reinvigorate them to the purpose of rebuilding. Israel had returned from the land of captivity with great enthusiasm. They had come ready to rebuild and ready to redevelop. And they 
uh, began the revival of their city and their temple. They had come back with high hopes and they had come with spirits that had been reignited, so to speak. And they began to raise the altars and the foundations were laid and all of the excitement that built with the promise that they would have a place of worship again soon. But somewhere in the process, and I, I wrote in my notes suddenly, but then I got to thinking, things like this never suddenly happen. It was not a sudden thing that I believe happened to God's people, but somewhere between starting and where they were at this particular point was some 14 years of passage. 14 years from where they had left bondage and they had come back and started the rebuilding process. And now in their 14th year, they were stumbling along. They they had their houses built and they had their crops planted and they had their businesses up, but nothing was working right. They worked hard but never brought in enough. They, they labored but it was never sufficient. And so God sends a man and he sends him to refocus their attention. And slowly over this process of years, slowly over a 14-year period of time, they began to drift away from what they had been called to do and they started, but that was all. Their spiritual ideas at the moment had seemed sufficient. Now were insufficient against the stern realities of life. They that had begun a good work were now stumbling along with it unfinished. And in the building project, they ran into problems. They had circumstances that they didn't count on. There were seasons that changed. There was trouble that came. There was sickness that came. There was the unexpected that cropped up and somehow took out of them the fight for their faith or the fight for their purpose or the fight for the rebuilding of what had been lost. Ideals were forgotten. Their confidence was lost. And their faith began to wane until they no longer worried about the building process. They just engaged themselves in life. And so God sent a man to these people. And for three and a half months, all Haggai's purpose was, was to keep them going and to keep them focused. God reached for them. That is amazing to me that God would want to speak to them, that God would want to talk to them. Now listen, folks, they've been in captivity for 70 years. If 70 years wasn't enough to knock sense into a person and make them want to do right, I don't know what you can do for them. But after 70 years of captivity and them begging and pleading and wanting to come home. Now they're home and they're lost in the midst of all that's going on in life. And yet God sent a man. God reached for them. God sent a messenger to revive their spirit. 
Aren't you thankful that God doesn't treat us the way we treat one another? You know, if you tell somebody something a few times and they don't do it, most of us, we just mark it off and go find somebody else. But God, after all of that, and they come back and started to rebuild, and now they've lost their focus and they're just rambling around. They're pouring themselves into their life. God sends a man and he begins to reach for them. Thank God for a man in your life that will get your attention and say, Hey, this is not what you're supposed to be doing. Amen. Aren't you, you know what? I, I'm not asking you to do it for me, but you ought to thank God every day that you live that there's a man of God in your life that will not let you drift, that he will not let you be satisfied with unfinished business. You ought to thank God every day you live that there's a church that has doors open on a Super Bowl Sunday night and the Word of God that is being preached to redirect my attention, to redirect my focus and make me realize what really matters is what I'm doing here in this place tonight. It's easy to get distracted in the hour in which we live and it's easy just to get caught up in life. You know, most people that I know of that are backslid right now are not really doing a lot of bad things. They're just caught up in life. And when you start talking to them about what they're doing, they're not doing anything. They're just not doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that's what happened to Israel. That's what happened to God's people. And so God sent a man to wake them up. God sent a man to speak to them. And for three and a half months, that's all that Haggai had. Three and a half months, he probed, he probed, he pushed, he spoke, he rebuked, he pointed his finger. He said, wake up, Israel. Get back to doing what God called you to do. And in the process of all that, God stirred the people and they went back to doing what God had called them to do. And that was rebuild the temple. And so it is often in life that the spirit goes out of us. That it's, it's easy to become distracted and we lose our focus and God sends a man to speak to us. The hardest work is not to start, but it is to finish. And it doesn't matter, church, listen to me tonight. It doesn't matter that you started. It doesn't matter how much effort has gone into the start of your race. If you do not finish this race, it will not matter how hard you tried. If you get lost or distracted or you get caught up in life and you forget what God called you to do, it won't matter that you started. All that will matter is that you finish. And so Haggai was dedicated to awakening something in a dormant people. And that's what I am dedicated to. There's a lot of good people that are connected to our church, but there's a lot of dormant souls, a lot of spiritually inert people. And so God has sent me to stir you up because life can take the fight out of you. Life can take the focus out. It can extinguish the fire of your soul. When you have enough setbacks and you have enough disappointments and you have enough hard luck and you have enough disasters, it can take the fight out of you. 
And I looked at this story and I thought, God, what is it that takes the fight out of people? What is it that causes us to lose our focus and, and, and to become distracted? And one of the things that became very obvious, readily obvious, is that Israel, when they came back to the, the, the promised land and they began to rebuild, they also began to prosper. But as they prospered, they lost sight of the fact that their prosperity was due to the building of the temple, not because of the ability of their own whatever to, to, to make a profit. It, they were not prospering because they were great business people. They were prospering because they were involved in the work of God. And so prosperity began to rock them to sleep. When they were poor and impoverished, it wasn't hard to inspire them to build. It wasn't hard when they were in slavery to think about rebuilding. But here they are now. They're prospering. They've got plenty of money in the bank. They don't need a lot. They're, they're enjoying their life. Their houses are built. They're living in comfort and ease. And so they forgot how easy it is for the material things of life to take the fight out of us. We become prosperous. We become blessed. And the more we're blessed, the more we lack in spiritual fervor. But when God began to bless them, they forgot. And so it is with you and I. And so prosperity is a reason why people, the, the fight is taken out of them. You know, I, we've heard it said many times, but when, when I was a kid, when I was a child, we didn't have medical insurance. We didn't have, we didn't even have a lot of hospitals. There was one hospital, I think, in Wichita Falls, and uh, that, there, there may have been another, I don't remember, but we didn't even think about going to the hospital. When we got sick, we didn't have enough money, first of all, to go to the hospital. So when we got sick, my mom and dad got down on their knees. My mother would lay her hand on my head many a nights and pray the fever out of my body. No matter if she had to sit by my bed through the night, she prayed for us because we didn't have a lot. But you know what? Now that we have everything we need, we don't even think about coming to church. Child sick, we stay home. I'm not saying that's the wrong thing to do, but I'll tell you what my parents did if we were sick they brought me to the house of God so the preacher could lay hands on me and pray for me and most of the time God took care of what was wrong with me but I know that's not conventional wisdom today so most of you are choking on that right now but the truth is when we didn't have as much we were a lot easier to get inspired to do things but the more we prosper the more our eyes become blurred to the real purpose of life and we get sidetracked and we get lost in just trying to make a living and trying to get this and trying to get that. And you know what I've discovered? There is not an appetite that can be satisfied. If you get a Ford, you're not going to have that Ford long until you want a Cadillac. And if you get a Cadillac, it's not long until you want a Mercedes. And if you get a Mercedes, it's not long until you want a a Rolls Royce. I'm just, they're just, it doesn't matter what we get. As soon as we get it, don't look at me like I don't know what I'm talking about. As soon as we get it, we start thinking, man, that's a little bit better than what I've got here. 
And it's never enough. It's never enough. And so it was prosperity had taken the fight out of them. They didn't have the kind of faith that they had once exemplified when they came because they were prospering, it seemed. And so God caused a drought to come. You read it. It's in the book. God caused a drought to come. He caused the dew to stop coming. He, he stopped the water spout. He wouldn't even let the water come to, to moisturize the ground. He made the crops dry up, and he made all of their efforts come to nothing, and they got more frustrated because they were working harder now than they had ever worked, and they had less than what they had thought they were going to have, but they never realized that it might be God trying to get their attention. And so God sent a man, thank God for a man, that'll come and say, hey, you know what? You may not be doing what you ought to be doing right now and prosperity. There was another reason, if you read it, it's not only in Haggai, but Zechariah, who was a contemporary of Haggai. There was another problem that surfaced, and that was that Samaritans sneered at them. Somebody was making fun of them. When they were trying to make an effort to do good, they, they were laughed at. When they were trying to make strides and get their act together, somebody was always over in the corner pointing a finger saying, who do they think they are? And you know what? That in itself will take the fight out of you. When you know that there, when you know that when you lift your hands and start worshiping, there's somebody somewhere that's saying, that hypocrite. It has a way of, yeah, you get those hands down real quick and if you're not careful before long, you won't even raise your hands because you're so conscious of what somebody's going to say and the Bible said that they mocked them, they, they, they made fun of their efforts and because of that, they grew ashamed. Do you know that there are a lot of people that are not living for God today because they are ashamed they're ashamed because of what they've done. They're ashamed because of their past failure. But more than anything, they're ashamed of what they've said to other people. And now they're having to live with what they've said. And so it was with these people. They became embarrassed. They were being made fun of. And, and that has a way of taking the fight out. But this is what I found is probably the number one reason that the fight is taken out of a person is that the task was harder than they thought it was going to be. The problem was harder than they thought. The task was harder than they dreamed. The process of getting where we need to go is harder than many of us understand. We think that when we come to an altar and we pray and we feel the touch of God and we talk in tongues and we jig, we, we jig a little bit or we, we, we want worship the Lord and then we leave that, our, that it's going to make everything easier. But the truth is it doesn't always make everything easier. It just makes you where you can deal with it in a better way. And so life is harder. The task that we're after is harder. It's harder to change than we thought it was going to be. 
It's harder to lay aside old habits than we thought. We come to an altar and we think, God, I'm going to give you everything. And then all of a sudden we just fade out. We, we just non-existent. What happened? The, the task was harder than we thought it was going to be. It's, it's harder to change than I thought. Brother Hughes, I, 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 when I was at the altar, it seemed so easy. But when I walked out that back door, oh, God, it became so hard. It's harder to make progress than we thought it was going to be. It's, it's harder to, to live that blessed life. And because of that, Israel lost their focus. They lost their dream. They lost their vision because the task was harder than they had envisioned. It's harder because time and the process that God uses to bring it all about. The truth is we're all a work in progress. Amen. None of us are finished yet. And we won't be finished until... God calls us out of this world. But that process is always harder. And so we lose heart. And we lose sight. And life takes the fight out of us. And so Haggai was sent to do one thing. To refocus God's people. Amen. And this is, this is, the, this is the simplicity of my message. Haggai's purpose was to tell them that if you will focus on God, God will focus on you. Amen. That was the simplicity. Israel, if you'll just get your eyes back on the Lord and keep them on Him, then God will keep His eyes on you. That if you will put your hand to the work of God, God will put His hand to the work of your life. That if you will put your efforts toward living for God and doing what is right, then God will put His efforts toward helping you succeed and blessing your life and prospering your life. But you got to get the focus right. The focus is not on you. The focus is on Him. And when you get your focus back on Him and you realize that He is worth every effort that I can make to do the best that I can, then God will make every effort toward me to make my life as blessed as He can be. Amen. Praise God. Life takes the fight out of all of us. How many of us have grown weary in the process? Ideas that were so inspirational at one time have now dwindled. Dreams have died. Sometimes we just tread water. That's all we do. We just get by. The spirit grows weary. And many times we settle down and think this is just the way life is. It's hard to get it going again, but that's what God has sent me to tell somebody here tonight. You need to get it going. Amen. You need to get your eyes back on the Lord, and God will make life a whole lot simpler for you. He will make life a whole lot more blessed for you. If you'll get your focus off of things and back on Him, He'll take care of things. Amen. If you get your eyes back on him, he'll take care of the finances. He will. He will take care of the garden, the field, the labor, all that you're doing. If you don't believe that, go over to the last chapter and listen to what he said in chapter 2. When he talks to them, 
in verse uh, in chapter 2 verse 18 he said consider now from this day and upward from the 4 and 20th day of the ninth month even from the day that the foundation of the Lord's temple was laid consider it he said think about it since the day that that foundation was laid to this day you lost your focus you lost your vision You lost heart. He said, is the seed yet in the barn? He said, yea, as yet in the vine and the fig and the pomegranate and the olive tree hath not brought forth. But because there has been a stirring in your spirit, because there has been a turnaround, because there has been a refocusing of your life, listen to what God said from this day, what day? The day they got their eyes back on Him. The day they turned their face back toward the Lord and said, you know what, God? It's more important that I stay focused on you than anything else. From that day, the Lord said, I will bless you. Amen. Amen. Praise God. Turn your eyes upon Jesus and look full in His wonderful face. And when you do, the things of this world will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. If you're struggling with your finances right now, let me tell you how to remedy that. Get your eyes back on Him. Because He owns the cattle on a thousand hills and all the gold that's in the hills. He does. And he can put a coin in a fish's mouth to pay the taxes. He can put a coin in your pocket to take care of your needs. Amen. Some of you don't believe what I'm telling you right now. But when you get your eyes back on him and you make him the focus of your life, then God will make your life the focus of his attention. And he will bless your labor. He will bless the same thing you were doing yesterday that didn't work. You can do it today and it will work. The same thing you tried yesterday and it was fruitless and frustrating. When you get your eyes back on him and you get the focus where it needs to be all of a sudden everything starts falling in place and blessings come and the anointing and the touch of God and all of that because God wants to do it for those who keep him the priority of their life let's stand together amen